See, I don't need no microphone. They just give the microphone for effect. How many people know who T.D. Jakes is? All right. When he started speaking about the crushing, all I could hear was T.D. Jakes. See, the thing is that sometimes you have to go into the crushing to pull the juice out. I love T.D. Jakes. It was testifying to me before he even started talking about what it was. But anyways, can you put that slide on that we are a vessel or whatever? The one that says we are a vessel from his slideshow? I'm going off the rails already. I'm sorry, guys. That's where we're going today, but we're not there yet. So we do you got the slideshow, the slide that says we are a vessel, we are an offering? I know I'm not, they they got they gotta be able to do audible today. So that's what happens sometimes. For me, that slide, I don't know about you guys, but it was preaching to me even when we started. I am here for Jesus. I'm happy that he died and he gave such a sacrifice to meet us right where we are. That it wasn't one that actually came to see me in a place that didn't know. I'm, I, I judge myself. I have all these different ideas of where I'm at, but that's the heart of what takes the gold into the smelting, that sits here and takes out the impurities. It's one that says, I'm here for you, God. Take what I have and make it something. Lord, I just want to be with you. I want to know you. I'm here because I love you. And I'm transformed by your love of me. Don't worry about it. I'm already past the slide. <laughs> You're welcome. I'll audible all day. So today we're talking about character that grows. And as I'm here, the only, the only place I want to grow to is Christ. I don't know about you guys. But the beautiful part is it doesn't start in a place where I need to be perfect. I have to have it together in every direction. But we have the freedom in this family to come with our problems, with our lack, with our not enough. Amen? And the truth is, is we get to love each other. We get to say, I see you, just as Christ said, I see you. When we look at Romans 5.10, it says that while we were still enemies to him, that he showed his love in this, that he died for us. That was, I see you when you still can't be something to me. I see you in the darkness, and I will rescue you. It's always funny when I say words funny. But, okay, but <laughs> anybody who caught that, that's like a perfect testimony of what I stand for. <laughs> Anyways, so as he's here to rescue you, we are all here in that same place to grow. And if you're not here for that, well, guess what? God still has time to win you over. And it's not me telling you you're a sinner, you're broken, or that your old ways or the, the ways that you've been set in is bad. My God is good enough to say that whatever we've experienced could be better. That it could be more. So this sermon's heart is not to say that you are going to be cast out, judged, or any of those things. It's to say my God is so good that he's so great that there's actually something better for us. And our character as we experience him only encourages and calls us forward into this journey that says, man, I want that to grow. Amen? All right. We're going to be in Colossians 3. In Colossians 3, I'm going to read it. Know that I'm going to be here pretty much for the whole sermon today. So, Colossians 3, 1 through 16 reads, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, when you also will appear with him in glory. 
Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked, when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all in all. Put on them as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, and thankfulness in your heart. I love this section of scripture. It There's so much hope in a world that's defined off this. That the, I look around this room, we probably have three generations in this room, right? Three different age groups. We have at least five races in this room right now. We have probably a few different social classes, many different occupations. And the beautiful part is none of us are separated. We may feel separated, but we are one in Christ. Amen? And this heartbeat is one we're all crying out for. We may not know how to get there perfectly, but we've been given direction. So as we look on where we've been on this journey, we, we, we take a quick review, right? We've been given a gospel. God, Christ, Holy Spirit has worked in each of your lives. And whether you know all of where that is or not, guess what? Look to the person to your left and right, and if you don't know, they can tell you about it. Because the testimony of God is that he's worked in each person in here's life. And he's an active today example of life, love, and hope. And the beautiful part about that gospel is it's not just given to you to store up in a room, but it's given to you to give. But it's hard to give that if we don't have discipleship. And see, we think of discipleship as programs, but the reality is we all need to be grown. We all need somebody to walk beside us. We all need somebody to co-labor with us. And no matter where we are in our journey, there's more to life. There's more to growth. There's more to parenting. There's more to getting to Christ. And we all have lessons to learn from each other from old to new because we're all one in Christ. Amen? So in that discipleship, we want to have a heart that first beats to raising up the children of God. We don't want to be a body. We don't want to be a family that forgets our babies. But we want to be people who raise up our children, not just our actual children, but the children of Christ because we're all seen that way. Raise them up to be people who glorify the character of Christ in every attribute and every avenue. Because that's the opportunity we get to be to this community. And as we do that, we look at that there's actually a highway. There's directions God has given us. And we went last week over five directions that we know God has given us. And those five directions are value. Actually, nope, that's not it, but it's okay. (laughs) Like, um, those five directions end up being um, a place where we know that within what God's done for us and how we have been directed, that if we follow these attributes that reflect God, if we follow these commands of God from Colossians 2, that we will be in his will and being transformed, I used the example of a sail ship last week, that we have been given the proper tools 
that will direct us into change. Amen? But today, that direction means nothing if we're not being transformed by it. There's a, a, a quote of a guy I like, which I can't remember his name right now off the top of my head, who says, it's not about the journey's end, but it's about the transformation along the way. And when you, when you look at a lot of people as they go on the journey, we think it's about getting the goal a lot of times when we're the person in the journey. But a lot of the time, the experience along the way transform us to be who we're meant to be, amen? It's the same when we're walking with Christ. But the question we're going to seek to answer today is how do we keep growing in character? Now you can go to the next slide. To keep growing, we must first, these are my five points of the day, we must have our values and focus changed. There's a place we have to, we have, to have this change inside of us. The second is we have to be actively against the old us. Because it's easy for the old us to tell us what to do. Number three is we need to renew our minds. Number four, put on a new heart. And number five, have Christ-like actions. Easy enough, right? Have we heard all this language before? Yeah, we have. As you guys know, I'm going to try and bring it into application where we can actually look at it and participate with it. Because you guys are all manifestations of Christ and the real example of him in your life. So, next slide. I want to give us just a quick picture. How many of us remember taking the bus or some kind of public transportation? Okay. Do you remember when you were taking public transportation and it took forever to get anywhere? Okay. Do you remember what your thoughts were? Exactly. You, the whole time you're taking public transportation, you're thinking about, man, when I get a car, it's going to happen so quick. I'm going to get where I want to go. I'm going to know what I'm going to do. And are you thinking about insurance? Nope. Are you thinking about the car payment? Nope. Are you thinking about all the oil changes and the tires and the repairs? No. But you know the direction you want to go, right? You, want, you know where you're going. You know what the goal is. But the thing is, is that when we're taking public transportation, we're dealing with the, the reality that it takes a long time. But what's interesting is, is that once we actually get the car, we have to change the way we act. We have to change the way we think. Because the way we act, was we don't got to wait for the bus no more. I can just get up and go. I don't have to be bitter, I can be free. I can feel happy and joyful and just take a ride, right? I can change my mind about things where it's like, honestly, I'm driving now, so there's a lot of thoughts I have to have about what my responsibilities are. My actions also have to change. But let's, let's take it one step further, one that's a little bit more clear of this example, right? How many of you guys either know people who had kids or have kids? Okay. Most of us plan for kids. And we're like, okay, I'm going to have a kid. <laughs> and it's like, it's, it's awesome, right? You're like, woo! How many of you guys remember the first week or three weeks of having a kid? Do you remember how much you felt like you were losing? <laughs> like, the thing is, is that you did not sleep. There was no sleep. Did you have to change once you had a kid? Yeah, once you had a kid, at that point, you had to change the ways that you valued things. It's like, how much more was a moment of silence valuable? How much was a, a moment where your kid was asleep, valuable, <laughs> or food. Like, you didn't realize how great food was until that moment you felt your kid screaming. You know what I'm talking about? It changes your values. But then it also, it changes, like, you can't be the same person anymore. 
There's a moment where you can't be irresponsible as much. You can't, you can't be this person who's acting the same as you used to. Because you're like, dang, I might fail this kid. I might not be what this kid needs. I need to be better. You have to change the way you think because you're no longer about yourself. So you start thinking differently. Your heart has to change the way you feel about things. You can't be so selfish. It's not like you can sit there and be like, stupid baby. You know, it's like, let me sleep. I'm not going to lie. There's some moments of sin where you're just like, <laughs> I wish. But the thing is, is that in reality, your heart changes. Your love expands, right? Your hope expands. You start dreaming and feeling things for a kid that you didn't know you could feel about yourself. Amen? But the biggest thing is for us who are like wanting to be like Christ, the biggest thing we want for our children is to experience Christ, right? So we seek to do the best for them that we can throughout that and show them what good action looks like. Now, does that mean that we're perfect? No, I'm a hot mess. So just like you guys, I bet you there was imperfect moments of when you parented. I swear what I realized is in those moments, they know exactly how to test you, right? They know the buttons to press. But in that same way, we're given direction. We are given direction of how to grow and how to move with God. We know we're like those things we talked about last week, which I'm going to hit on at the beginning in a minute. They are what point us forward. But as we participate with them, we need to participate with change because it grows us. It'll change us and make us who we need to be to meet the need of Christ and ultimately to participate with the God we're crying out for. Amen? What time is it? Testimonies. Is, Gra is, Gra is Grace going? Is that, what, is that what I just saw her testify to? <laughs> All right. So it's testimony time. If you got a testimony, get on your feet and come holla at your boy. You got to remember, it's not about having perfect words. It's not about having the perfect testimony, but every one of you is an active testimony of God being real. You all have stories. It's not the question if you do. It's the question if you recognize it. So what about you, Rachel? Come on. I am doing this. Everybody knows if I don't see somebody get up, I'm going to call somebody. So, Rachel, get on up. <laughs> she has about 15 seconds to get. Oh, Angie. Angie goes first. Rachel, you're going second. I know I'm embarrassing you. So I've got this thing that I like to say to my kids all the time. And it goes like this. It's not about you, boo. And uh, as Christmas has happened and then we're getting into the new year, I have noticed God pointing out areas in my heart where I've been carrying a lot of bitterness or I'm dragging my feet, kicking my feet, throwing temper tantrums. And like literally this morning, God said to me, it's not about you, boo. And then we get to church today and it seemed like every single song was just pointing out like, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Um, and so that's kind of what I'm wanting to carry into this new year is making sure God gets the glory, and I do not. And uh, I'll stop kicking my feet and throwing my temper tantrums and get on board with what God is doing. Hallelujah. Come on, Rachel. You don't get to get out of it just because you frowned at me. <laughs> <laughs> it's still, I would have, I would have followed you. <laughs> oh, no. um, I wasn't ready for this. Yeah, you do, I guess. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the only, honestly, I mean, the only thing I can talk about right is my current experience. And so um, I would say that recently, um, I actually, yeah, a little bit of what Angie was sharing, just the importance of, um, recognizing that God is in control, it's not about us, but also, too, a lot of the things that he has said that are about us, you know? And so I think um, coming out of this year, my sister put this, like, really funny post. Has anyone ever seen Home Alone? 
you know the two burglars after like Kevin destroys them they're lying on the ground on their backs and they're like they, they, <laughs> they have smoke all over their faces anyway uh Kevin like destroys these burglars he sets all these traps for them and there's a moment where they both fall on the ice and they're like laid out and they're miserable they're in pain and uh so my sister put this post up that that's what we look like after 2020 <laughs> it kind of feels that way but um I think too it's it's just um yeah, I think in that it's really challenged me to consider what God has said versus what I've been trying to tell myself all year that's made 2020 so much harder, right? Uh, and so I've just been taking the time to um, to go back to what he has said. And um, I find that to be really meaningful at the beginning of a new year, like what I actually want to believe this year from it. Uh, and so I think that would be my testimony that, that I've had more of a value um, for what he's doing and what he's been trying to do all along. And like also too, I think the assurance that when he said those things, like they're not lost, right? Like he could have just been saying them in anticipation that I would open the book yesterday. <laughs> and I did. And they meant something more than they did at the time. So that would be my testimony today. Thank you everyone. Good job, Rachel and Angie. The fear of the Lord. <laughs> You guys come to this service, I might accidentally call on you. But, you guys, you guys know that today is the first service of the year. That means that we can have any new experience we want to have. This year is set free for you to do whatever direction. Last year, you did what you did. The year before that, you did what you did. This year is a new year. There's new goals experiences and for me this year is a year of growth like last year it was a year of survival <laughs> there was so much change constantly we were just looking to stay on top and keep growing but this year we have the opportunity to grow and see God in more intimate ways and to know each other so if you guys I just say this I want to get to know people so anybody who wants to get to know me, just hit me up and we'll, we'll get some lunch. We'll get some dinner. We'll get some breakfast. We'll get a cup of coffee. I don't care. I want to get to know you guys. I want us to grow as a family. The second thing, for anybody who wants their tithe book online, I know that the truth is, is that we have people who are shut-ins right now. We want to honor you. We want to see you. We, wanna, we don't want to mail it to you. We want to deliver it to you and be able to bring you something to eat or bring you something where we serve you because we love you. And even though there's separation and distance between us, this is an opportunity for us to love each other. Amen? All right, let's get going. To keep growing. See, the thing is, is Christ's action actually divided us from the old. It gave us a new self. Amen? See, the thing is, is that we, where we started last week was the point that Christ actually did all actions to make us able to participate with him. He actually, it's not qualified off of how good you are, how bad you are. It's not based off of how far along you are, how good you can talk, how charismatic you are, but the fact that Christ died and you died with him and you were resurrected. But what it did was is it, it separated us instantaneously. There's new way of walking, and there's an old way of walking. With him dying, with him being able to give us all the opportunities for a new day, just like we're on a new year, there's new ways of doing things, and there's old ways of doing things. This new versus old really represents a place where we see throughout the whole New Testament, it's a place where one is selfish, and looking for me, it's like, what have I known? Now, let, let me even, I'll tame it down a little bit. Maybe it's not that it's just pure selfishness. Maybe it's just what self-reliance. Maybe it's what we've been born with. What's, maybe it's the standard we've, we've always had. But the new is more and more hope, faith, and foundation on Christ and God. Amen? And the only thing that we can do there is trust God. In Colossians 3.3, it says, for you died to this world and your new 
real life is hidden with Christ. What that, that suggests to us is, is that we live in illusion where I'm good enough without Christ. But the beautiful part is that new self doesn't have to be separate from Christ. So it breaks the illusion and it actually allows me to be loved and actually empowered. Just like that sailboat, it's like the wind that pushes into my sails and shows me all along he had an intention to get me somewhere. Amen? All right. Next slide. So, as I said, these are the five directional things that he said last week. I said last week. Somebody said last week. You know? I'll talk in third person. Stefan was talking last week. I'm just joking. But working with God in a direction is a place where we actually travel with him. We are being directed by him. It's places where all of us recognize there is morality and there's just centralized rules that we can follow to go somewhere, right? You know, if you're taking the bus, you have to bring the fare, you have to get on the bus, and you have to wait for the bus, right? If you try to get on the bus without your fare, what's going to happen? Exactly. In that same way, when we're walking with Christ, we're going to stop going in the direction he's going if we do not follow these things. Being built off of what he's done for us, not what we can do for him. Number two, having faith, taking a risk, trusting him. Like there's a place where as we have faith, we have no choice but to follow him. Because there's a real place that he, he's going to make us dependent on him in that place. And it's the thing that projects us forward into his glory and his experience. The intimacy with God, no matter how much you do, no matter how much you pretend, no matter how much you're perfect, if you're not intimate with God, if you do not know him and feel like you are known by him, you will not feel the peace that you're crying out for. You won't have continued motion. You'll have fluid motion. There will be moments where you like go, because you'll have moments of faith, but it won't be sustained. It won't be consistent, because the truth is, is you'll find yourself looking for other things to see you. You'll look for like alcohol. You'll look for gambling. You'll look for something to make yourself feel okay. And that will instantly kill the motion forward. The next thing was unity. And within unity, it's real easy to see why unity is a directional thing. But most of us, because of our pride, it becomes a really hard thing to take direction from. Because unity is, is a direction because guess what? It's the only thing that gets you to overlook you. As we started today, isn't it a blessing to look around and see all these differences in this room as it's becoming more and more different and diverse and know that we're all the same and that we're all here to worship the same Christ? But for me to actually stay and actually believe that I'm the same as David Pavlenko in the back or I'm the same as Cheryl, that in that place I actually have to change me, that I actually have to go against what I say is okay and normal, that actually to stay glorifying to God, I have to go against what I have the right to because I have to be Jesus to these people and they have to be Jesus to me, which means, guess what? Because we're different, we actually grow each other. And then five, that as we're learning all these new things and we're going in this new direction, avoid deception. Don't go back. Don't go the wrong direction. Because if you go the wrong direction, you know you're going the wrong direction. But you have to honor these other things so that you even know what deception is. You got to tell you what direction you're supposed to go. Okay. So it's great and dandy to know what direction we're going. It's fantastic. I think that's what we're all crying out for in some places, direction. But direction without change, direction without participation, ends up being anticlimactic and stealing our hope eventually. Because you'll be like, why am I still in this? Why am I still doing this? Do I still have another thing to check off my list? Am I still in a place 
where it's another year, it's another time, and it's not going to make a darn difference. How many of us have felt that way before? Well, to be honest, all of us have felt that way before at some point, that our behaviors won't make a difference. I think the truth is, is how long you stay in that place is the big difference for a lot of us. Because what leaves us in that place is us not knowing how to participate with the next steps. But the beautiful part is, is that you all have the ability to, and that's what we're going to go over today. So how do we participate with this change? Well, let's go to number one. As we participate, our values and focus have to change. So in Colossians 3, 1 through 2, it says, Therefore... If you have been raised with Christ to a new life, sharing in his resurrection from the dead, keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind and keep focusing habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, not on things that are on the earth, which have only temporal value. I know I'm reading that amplified again, but for me, especially when you go through a section like this, it gives you more context. And you're looking, and the first thing as we are adding values and focus and changing them is we have to see that first our values, just like when we were thinking about having kids, were still on us. Our focus was still on us. But once you have the kid and he's there crying, you quickly have to change your focus and value. And in that same way, it's challenging us now as saved people who have been prepared and given a new way. And even in this new season, you have new opportunities. You are placed, and all of it is able at your hands. You have to change the way you look at the things in front of you. Because the truth is, sometimes we're so caught up on what we have and what we're going to gain and on us that we forget Miss Angie's word. It's not about you, boo. Or Miss Ma'am back there's Rachel's, the fact that, like, the truth is, is God's given words. And we have to be more about his placement of what we have to receive, his heart on things, his value, his glory, and those heavenly places, what is meaningful in heaven rather than what's meaningful to us on this earth. It's really easy to get wrapped up and caught in the weeds, right? But as we're focused on what God has for us, what he has for this season, it can transform everything. The truth is, is it's a reality that anybody can die today, right? How many of us have known somebody who's died in the last five years? The reality is this life is very temporary. So if you're spending your life fully on temporary things, you should recognize how quickly it can slip from your hands. And for you to be changed by the thing you're crying out for and you're being directed by is to recognize that there's actually a very valuable and, <laughs> a valuable and unexchangeable investment that you can make. And that's in something that's everlasting, which is Christ and God and his heartbeat. Amen? The second thing... We have to actively be against the old. It says in Colossians 3, 5 through 7, So put on, put to death and deprive of power the evil longings of your earthly bodies with essential self-centered instincts, immorality, impurity, simple passions, evil desire, greed, which is a kind of idolatry because it replaced your devotion to God. Because... Of these sinful things, the divine wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience. And in these sinful things, you also once walked when you were habitually living in them without the knowledge of Christ. Even to like quickly put it, because I don't want to beat up on us. That's not the place, it's not the point of this sermon. The fact is, is that our devotions will go towards what position we have. In the old, it's really easy to worship me. It's really easy to worship you. 
you know? The ways that you are looking, the world, every commercial that is out there, every little thing that is sold to you positions you to do what? To worship you. Just like Burger King, right? You can have it your way. And the truth is, is that like every moment we're sold on the idea of what do you want and how do you want to be satisfied. But that old way leads us to the same things. And those same things usually keep us separated from God or isolated or not knowing what to do. And for the people who come from addiction backgrounds, we know exactly what that does, right? You start compromising and getting, going back to what you're comfortable with, what is going to happen? Relapse. Yep. The truth is, is that we are all living a life of addiction. The only difference is that what we're addicted to. I mean, we, does anybody not sin? But that's a fact, is, is that like we all have something, and when we compromise to the old, we will relapse. And the beautiful part is, is that our God has grace, and he's overflowing, uh, and he's preparing us with everything we need to change. And the great part, the really cool part, is you have all the ability to do something new. This is the first, like, day three of year, a new year. All the new opportunities to make this year different than the last. We can look at all of our failures, all of our successes. They don't mean nothing for a new year. Because it's a new year. That's new goals, new ways. And in that, we have to actively be against the old, so it's not the same exact thing as last year. Same exact thing as the years in the past. Not doing the same thing. It's really easy to get in a pattern. How many of us have, I mean, not us young people over here, but how many people over here have seen decades? <laughs> have seen decades disappear? Like, have you looked but back and gone, man, time has really passed. The, true, the beautiful part is you guys have been faithful in a lot of places. But the beautiful, even more beautiful part is there's even more jumps of faithfulness that are still stored up for you. Your journey's not done yet. And you have to actively be against the old so you're not set in those old ways because you have even more history than us. And us young people, we got to humble ourselves because we don't know everything. <laughs> but going to Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, it says that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, that you may be renewed in the spirit of the mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. I want to make that real clear to you guys. Every single one of you, no matter your situation, no matter how much you judge yourself, have been in the, made in the likeness of holiness and righteousness. Every one of you, no matter how bad you feel, no matter where you think you are, are righteous and holy. Now, whether we walk in that or not is our choice, but we got the opportunity to because our Christ is giving his hand to walk in him, which is the only way to do it. I don't know about you, but I want to participate with that ticket. And it usually means that I actually have to sell my old boat and quit going in the directions I used to go. Number three, for us to be transformed in the directions he's actually giving us, we have to renew our mind. It says, have put, oh, Colossians 3, 10, 11, by the way. Colossians 3, 10 through 11. It says, and have put on the new mind, spiritual self, who is being continually renewed in true knowledge in the image of him who created the new self, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, nor between nations, whether barbarian, Scythian, nor in the status, whether slave or free, but Christ is all in all, so believers are equal in Christ without distinction." How much is that a message of our time right now? But guess what? That means we have to surrender our culture. 
The reason why renewing your mind is so key is because you have to let go of what you know about this world. You have to change and shake up the way we think. Because we cannot be thinking as Jew or Gentile anymore. In other words, we can't be thinking middle class white people and millennials or hip versus boring or hustle versus not hustle or like trying to get by. We have to, we have to let go of our mindsets, see that there's a new way to see the earth and it's centered on Christ, what he's done. And that there's new opportunities and I can't keep going the way I've gone before. So I have to learn the new boundaries. And change our minds so that we can see that I am not one person who defines this world, but I'm part of the multitude who's in this world. And that my Christ, who's died for me, is the one who defines my world. It says in uh, Romans 12.2, Romans 12.2, do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values, ethical attitudes, so that you may prove for yourself what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. One of the beautiful parts that even as our mind is changing... Are you expected to know everything right away? Are you expected to understand everything right away? No. Nope. Are you going to even see the same things the same way in 10 years? Let me ask you older people. In, in the 30, let's say like 30 years ago, right? Were you guys the same people that you are today? No. Let me say young people, three years ago, <laughs> three years ago, did you have the same opinion of the world as you do today? No. So in that place, seeing that the understanding and the journey we go on expands our perception. And as we go further on this journey with God, it actually changes everything we understand. And we're actually able, as we get closer to God, to look further into the light. And it changes what, what we're actually able to even attribute to this new culture. I can't even keep it up. So it's like, that sounds really bad, but like my, my zipper's broken. <laughs> People have been signaling to me this whole time. <laughs> Walt knows all about that. <laughs> um, I had to clown Walt real quick. Hip over there. But, <laughs> uh, but anyway, so what ends up happening is that as we look further into the light, right, we get to see more. See, the thing is, is where you are right now, you're not expected to know everything, but you are expected to learn. And we're, we have to change the way we think about things. The truth is, is that the way we thought about it in the past won't always work. And as we go on our journey, we have to grow with new expectations, new ways of thinking about things, and to be more successful. Amen? Next slide. The fourth point, which you cannot see, but you can guesstimate. Let's play Pictionary right now. Put on a new what? Yes, on a new heart. <laughs> It's like it melded the two letters, disappeared when I made this slide. But good thing we're great Pictionary players, right? Okay, so Colossians 3.12 through 15 reads, So as God's own chosen people who are holy, set apart, sanctified for his purpose. You guys are all put aside, set aside for his purpose. You are all made in the image of holiness and righteousness. No matter what you think, he's chosen you, he's marked you, he's placed you aside. And well-beloved by God himself. That means no matter how you feel, he loves you. And he's going to prove his love to you and his goodness to you. Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, which has power to endure whatever injustice 
or unpleasantness comes with good temper, bearing graciously with one another and willing to forgive each other if one has caused for complaint against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so should you forgive. Beyond all these things, put on and wrap yourself in unselfish love, which is the perfect bond of unity. For everything is bound together in agreement when each one seeks the best for others. Let the peace of Christ be the controlling factor in your hearts. To this peace, indeed, you were called as a member in one body. Be thankful to God always. Amen? As I said, this is the hopeful part. It's also the hardest part. I don't know about you, but when people be acting a fool, it can be hard to forgive. But the truth is, is we, as we go on this journey, it's going to call things from our hearts to be transformed to look like Christ. To participate with Christ means that we actually have to do different things. And when you're dealing, I can say for myself, my heart and my life, no matter what happens, my life is given to those who are lost. Anybody who knows me knows without a doubt, I'm going to be out there loving the lost like Jesus did. The people who are saved, I'll love you as long as we can, but the lost is, is where my heart is. And guess what the lost will do to you? The lost will misuse your name, they'll steal from you, they'll lie, they'll hurt you. But can you judge them for that? No, because hurt people hurt people. And the truth is, is my Christ is so good to love me and meet me that how many times have I forgotten the way to him? So the truth is, is I'm not doing this to gain. In that same way, we're all called to put on a heart that quit seeing what we can gain and start seeing what we can give. We're not here as people who are looking like we're the, in the emergency room of getting band-aided up all the time from hurt people. It's like if somebody came in with a shot wound, you wouldn't be like, hey, stitch me up. No, you'd be like, oh, somebody save them, you know? It's in reality is we actually have a heart that's meant to, to beat for other people unselfishly. One that's seeking to represent the Christ that has met us. One who died and forgave us. And in that same place, we can have the compassion and kindness to meet each other to say, you know what? My God has a bigger view, a sweeter view, and a more loving view than you have of you. Did you know that he wants everything in the world to, for you to be set free? For you to be met? And for you to have the freedom and peace that really you're crying out for. And that whether you know it or not, this imperfect world might hurt you, but my God won't. And I'll be example of it as best as I can in the way I love you. We have to put on that new heart because actually the way we feel in here will always speak louder than what we speak here. The truth is, people can feel what's going on in here, even without hearing it. We can be as perfect as we think we are, but we can feel judged the whole time. And the beautiful part is, a God loved you and met you and perfectly served you. And in that same way, as our hearts are transformed and we're given a new heart, it's not one that gets to judge. It's one that gets to love. When you read Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27, it says, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all the un your uncleanliness, from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove the heart of stone from you, flesh, and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will... Keep my ordinances. This new heart is not just given to us to look like Christ. It's actually to be successful to be with him. Because the truth is, is that our idols and our past and our places that we keep ourselves safe in the ways we feel, ultimately 
no matter how hard we try, will keep us doing the same stuff we used to do. But the beautiful part is this unselfish love, this heart that is for others, actually is perfectly able to fulfill what God is calling us to do, to take his hand, to see him, to be loved by him, and to love others. Because ultimately, it's not something that makes you not feel nothing. If you don't feel nothing, there's a problem. Because God has given you life, and life feels like something. And to be able to do what he's called us to do means that we have to feel. And then the final one, Christ-like action. It says in Colossians 3.16, let the spoken word of Christ have it, its home within you, dwelling in your heart and mind, permeating every aspect of your being as you teach spiritual things and admonish and train one another with all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart. In Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, it says, Therefore become imitators of God. Copy him and follow his example. As well-beloved children, imitate your father. Walk continually in his love. That is, value one another, practice empathy and compassion, unselfishly seeking the best for others. Just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for you, an offering and sacrifice to God as sweet fragrance. So as we're given direction, we are brought to this place that will change the, our values and our focus, change our actions, our, I mean the way we think, will change our heart. And as those things change, it without a doubt can't help but ask us to look different within our actions, right? And those actions look sacrificial. They don't look like it's trying to gain for itself. It looks loving. It doesn't look selfish. It doesn't look withholding. It looks like giving. But the biggest one we see even within Colossians is it's not one that is complaining or looking for the next thing. It's thankful. I'm going to go into the last section where we go into application in three seconds. But I want us to even think as we leave today and we go into this new year where it's not about us, where we are growing. And what do you have to be thankful for? All of us have plenty to complain about. All of us have plenty that we can judge. We have plenty that we can say will make it better if we just have that thing. But what do you have? Because the truth is, is that you have food. You have a house. You have a lot. So how do we in our actions see that Christ has given us more than we think? Amen? So... As we wrap it around, those five points is coming back. How do we participate with direction? As you're participating with the direction of God in your life that calls you to faith, that calls you to unity, that calls you to hope, your values get more focused on God, not this world. The truth is, is that this world can't give you anything. And it's going to slip away. But God has given you already more than you can think of. See, number two, even as we went through, is that our new selves are pitted against our old selves as we find ourselves following Christ. Whether you like it or not, to be the new you, you have to say the old you wasn't good enough. And it kind of sucks. But the reason why that's able is because God is with you and he actually is so good that he, he wants more for you. Our mind is renewed and thinks differently as we're on this new journey. That's just saying you're growing. That is a sign of your growth. If you think differently today, if you are learning new ways to do it, then you are growing. You guys wouldn't expect anything different from your work. You should be growing at work, right? Doing things more effectively, more efficiently, making less failures, right? Why is it so different for our walk with Christ? 
And finally, well, four, we put on a new heart that is driven differently. The truth is, is what's beating in your chest, what's driving you to wake up in the morning, what's seeking to be met, where you're going to go, what you're willing to give your all to, what is it that is getting you to say, I'm willing to overlook me right now? That changes as we go on the journey. As I said, if I were to ask you young people over here, right? (laughs) It's funny that the old people, the young people were like in half and half other than Tim and Angie. But (laughs) the thing is, if I were to ask you guys, what drives you to get up? And is it the same thing that it was 10 years ago? Most of you guys were in high school. You know what I mean? Like 10 years, not you guys, not you two, and not you two. And you guys were like elementary kids. Like, (laughs) but like 10 years ago, what was driving you was different, right? What took you to get up in the morning and get what the more was a different heartbeat. And if I were to say that when you guys were teenagers, did you guys drive for something different? Doesn't it feel like a lifetime ago? But the thing is, is that you're growing. You're called to grow. You're all on a journey. And that journey calls for new things right here. And the Christ that you are experiencing who is good and that you want to experience more of, he wants bigger things for you than just what you've had already. But all of these things call us to have our actions every day become more like Christ. Just because we're at our end of our race or at the beginning of our race doesn't change the fact that all of us can make a better decision today to look more like Christ. Today, you have a decision. And as you go on your journeys, you follow his directions. There's a new choice to look more and more like him. And us as a family, as we're learning how to disciple, our goal will be to look like Christ, to participate with Christ, to be loved by Christ, and to love others like Christ. Amen? Don't be afraid of change. It's not going to hurt you as long as we stick together through it. Amen? All right. I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, oop, I almost knocked the table over, Lord. I just pray to you that even as change does come, it's scary. Lord, we're not always used to the message or the, the, the point that we need more of you every day. But if we can just humble ourselves as, as we're on the waters with you. As just like Peter was called out to things he didn't believe in. Lord, I pray that each of us will continue to be directed into the things that we do not believe can happen, Lord. That us believing that you can rule this world today, Lord, that you can rule my world. That you can make me believe in things that I don't know, Lord. The places I've been let down, the places that I'm afraid of, the places I haven't been provided for, Lord. I pray that this year would be a year of restoration, that we could each learn as we step into the impossible, that we step into a place to trust you and believe that we could be restored in our trust and belief in you, Lord. I pray that each person that is here, they might not know, they might not know all of the places that that is, but as they reach out for your hand, that they would be able to step step onto those unsure waters, knowing that you would provide for them. But Lord, that those storms would be quiet behind them so they can step into the impossible for themselves. Lord, you have been waiting for us to just be like the leper. And as much as that's offensive to us, there's places that has been corrupt within us. But you also have been waiting for us because you love us so much and you know what's going to happen. That once we step into your embrace, into your love, into your way, into your heart, that all of that will fall off of us. Those chains mean nothing to you, Lord. We are already free. And Lord, I pray for the people on Facebook that wherever there is not freedom, Lord, I pray for breaking right now. 
I pray for the people who are in this room who still are bound by addiction or by fear or by doubt, Lord. I pray that you would show them that those chains mean nothing to you, that your love overcomes all. But even more so, I pray that, Lord, we would realize like the family of Lazarus, that sometimes we feel like death is already upon us and that we can't do anything about some of the things that have happened in some of the places we are. But Lord, you have the power to say, rise. You are not dead yet. And Lord, that I pray, as I said, that this year would grow hope, would grow direction, and grow us towards you. Pray these things in your name. Amen.